Well, good morning. Usually when someone says good morning, you say good morning back. Can we try it again? Good morning. That's better. That's better. Hey, it's good to see you on this beautiful, warm, glorious morning. (laughs) I got a call from my... um, from where I live, it's 80 degrees and sunny. So if you want a ministry opportunity in the state of Florida, we're open. Well, let's pray. Let's pray to get our hearts ready. Just once again, open your hands before the Lord. Lord, we come needy. And Lord, we come open. Lord, we don't need to just hear the word through audible senses. God, we need for the word to penetrate the realities of our heart and change the stories of our mind. Holy Spirit, I'm inadequate to do that. I confess my inability. So what I'm asking you to do in this moment is anoint me with such incredible power that you use the audible words that speak from my mouth and God, you would use those words to penetrate the heart of your people. Lord, I... I love you and I love these students. Lord, I pray that you would transform their lives, that you would give them a story that would transform them, God, that you would deal with the negative thinking that has become toxic in so many of their lives. God, I declare that today is a day of freedom over them through the power of the Holy Spirit, that the old is gone, the new has come, that you would allow them to live in the freedom with the mind of Christ Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We invite you. We just right now, we invite just the presence of God. God, we know you're here, but God, give me eyes to see. Allow my heart to understand the power and the wonder of your love. And would you pray, God, speak. Your servant is listening. Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. And will you just shout Amen. So last week, or last yesterday, we talked about comparison. Today, I want to talk about toxic thinking. Toxic thinking. And so I I have a question I want to ask you. What's your story? Push your neighbor and say, what's your story? Because all of us have a story. Now, when I talk about story, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we go through life, we we want meaning. And so we create these stories that we live out, thought patterns that help us determine what is reality, what is true, what is there. And it's powerful because the stories you believe will begin to determine your actions and your feelings, right? The stories that you really begin to believe begin to to influence how you feel. For example, over the the Christmas break, my, uh, my brother said, hey, why don't you come up visit me? We live in Florida. He lives in Nashville. And we said, okay. So we loaded up the, the car and we took um, the, the family up to see my brother. And so on the way, we thought, what are we going to listen to? And my wife said, well, let's listen to a podcast. And I said, well, what podcast do you want to listen to? And so we did a research on Amazon Music and the number one podcast was Dateline. And so I said, well, okay, for 12 hours, let's listen to Dateline. One podcast after another, after another, after another. Y'all, what happened was about the 10th hour, it seemed like every episode was husband dead. Who's the primary suspect? The wife. The wife. And the primary, I'm telling you, it's crazy. The primary weapon the wife uses, antifreeze. 
And so we're driving, and, and they keep going. The number one, if every time a husband dies, the person we look to first is the wife. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking over my wife, and we're driving. I'm slowly beginning to get as far to the side as I can. I looked at my kids and said, hey, kids, if I ever die, just know who the first suspect is probably going to be, all right? I'm just, I don't want to ruin this trip, but you just need to think about this. And so we're driving, and I'm looking over, and, and I'm hearing these stories of my wife, and I begin to feel, like, scared. I mean, I, this is crazy. I begin to feel scared because I'm looking over to her, and I'm going, hey, hey, babe, I'm just curious. You buy antifreeze lately? So we stop at the rest stop. I mean, th this is crazy. I stop at the rest stop. I pull up our Amazon account and Walmart account. And I go, antifreeze, 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 anti. Is it there? Because I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. All because I begin to allow my mind to be filled with a story. Now, my wife is nothing like that. But if the story you believe, it doesn't have to be true. But if you believe it, it will affect your feelings, affect your thoughts. And my question is, is the story you're telling yourself, is it true? Because I think the reason that so many of us have mental health issues is because of the stories that we tell ourselves. Three years ago, I, I went through a series of events that rocked my world, rocked it. And I began to tell myself a story that began to place me in dark depression. And I kept praying, God, take the depression away, take the depression away. And God says, I want to work on your story. And so today, my, my aim is, I want to speak into the story that you tell yourself. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul writes, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. What's that, Paul? That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now, now Gentile is, what he's referring to in this text, is a person who lives life without a relationship, personal relationship with the living God. Now, now here's what began to catch me. It's possible that you can live like this. How? How did Gentiles live? In the futility of their what? The thinking. They're thinking, they're thinking, they're thinking, they're thinking. And I have to apologize on behalf of a lot of churches. We've taught you how to fight outwardly but we haven't done a good job of teaching you how to fight inwardly. And what I've discovered is it's easy to invite Jesus into your life. It's hard to invite Jesus into your head. And so he says, you, you can be a believer and still live like a Gentile in your thinking. Well, how do Gentiles think, Paul? Well, let me tell you, they are darkened in their understanding. Their reasoning and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Now, here's this is so powerful. He actually personifies ignorance. You see this? He says there's actually ignorance that is working in you due to the hardening of their hearts. Three big words. Understanding, ignorance, hardening of the hearts, callousness of the hearts. Leading, verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality. They're looking for a way to escape, to feel better, feel happy so as to indulge every kind of impurity, and they're all full of greed. And so what Paul does here is it's, it's incredible. He says that you have to be careful how you think. You have to be careful how you think. And, and he's telling these believers, he says, watch out, 
because you can begin to think in an ignorant, deceptive ways that your story can be so full of lies that it will begin to destroy you. And, and here's what happens. We are created to be reasonable beings, which means when an event happens, we just don't look at an event and say it happened. It happened. What we start to do is we want to ask the question immediately following, well, why did it happen? And that's where the story kicks in. That's where, that's where you begin to try to make sense of the trauma, of the reality, of the things that are going on. And whatever story you tell yourself to interpret the events that you see will determine how you feel in your actions that come out of that. So if there's a guy, all of a sudden you're outside, you're walking to your class, and all of a sudden this guy comes and he's running and he's pushing people aside and he's running right down the sidewalk. I mean, he's nudging people, he's sprinting. You can look at him and in your mind, in your mind, if you go, if your thought is, why is he doing that? If your thought is, well, he's late for class. How are you gonna feel towards that guy in the moment? Take away your sanctified Cedarville response and be real. How are you gonna feel in that moment? How? Angry? Mad? You'd be like, jerk? Why are you doing that? But if in the moment you see that and you think to yourself, wow, maybe there's an emergency. Maybe his roommate called and said, hey, I've fallen. I can't get up. <laughs> and he's rushing to the aid of his roommate. You're going, wow, what can I do to help him? Same event. You catch this? Same event. But it's how you think of, interpret the event that determines the feelings and determines the actions of your life. This is why Paul says there's an ignorance at work in that very moment when we ask that question, why? There's an ignorance that begins to work, that the devil begins. I really believe this is where the power of demonic influence begins to happen. It's that question, not just it happened, but why? I failed the test. It happened. But here's where you go. You ask the question, why did I fail? When you ask that, woo, the devil has a narrative for you. Well, the reason you failed is because you're a failure. And the reason you're a failure is your parents told you you'll never succeed. I mean, just look at your older brother. He succeeds in everything, but you don't succeed in anything because you're not as smart. You're not as good. You're not as successful. Why do they have a ring way before spring? <laughs> well, it must be because no one loves me. I'm unlovable. And the reason I'm unlovable, I mean, just look at me. I'm stupid and I look in the mirror and I hate myself. Why would anybody love me? And in that moment, when you ask that why, as soon as you ask the question why, why, that's when the chirp of the voice of the devil begins to influence your mind. And it's constant. It's a barrage of attacks that comes in. And so if we want to begin to begin to change the way we feel, change the way we respond, change the way we live, then we have to change the direction of our thinking because your life will always move in the direction of the story that you tell yourself. And so here's what I wrote. I wrote this in my journal a while back ago, and it challenged me. I'll, just, I'll read for you my journal. James, if your life is always moving in the direction of your dominant thoughts, the story you are telling yourself, are you excited and hopeful about the direction your thoughts are taking you? That gripped me. 
and it, it pushed me to begin to examine the thinking patterns of my life and the story that I keep telling myself. So, so how, do you, how do you begin to drop those destructive, negative, toxic thinking, that, the stories that are destroying you? And, and here's what's so beautiful. This is not self-help, right? If we just ended there and say, hey, don't worry, be happy. You were dismissed. It, it doesn't have the power to change us. But I want you to see what the spirit of the living God does, what Jesus Christ actually purchased through you, through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, allow the gospel to actually make you repent, change your mind. So he says, Ephesians 4.20, that however, I love that. That's not the way of life you learn. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him and with accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. To put off, put off, put off. Push somebody, say put off. I'm gonna give you another opportunity because you didn't, if this was a test, you'd get about a 40 on that one. Push your other neighbor, say sorry. Put off. There's some things you need to drop. There's some ways of thinking you need to let go of. There's some patterns that you're holding on to that you need to release. So put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires to be made new in the attitudes of your minds. If I want to live in the newness of Christ, I have to begin to allow the attitude, I have to begin to think and allow the Holy Spirit to adjust my thinking and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and true holiness, living in the fullness of all that God has for us. I love the way the NLT translates this, when you want to live in the fullness of God. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. It's allowing the Spirit to begin to examine the story that you tell yourself, those thought patterns that you're holding on to, and allowing the Holy Spirit to redeem them and sanctify them according to the truth that is in Christ Jesus. So how do you begin to do that? How, how, how? I wanna get practical for you. How? First of all, you have to reveal the lies influencing your feelings. So if, if I'm feeling depression, if I'm feeling loneliness, if I'm feeling those things, I have to ask, what story am I telling myself that is placing me there? What, what story am I believing in the moment that is leading me to feel that way, to think this way? How, just because I feel it doesn't mean I have to feed the feeling. When I feel those feelings, I have to begin to examine them. Why do I feel that way? I have to get to the root of the problem. See, this is the hard work. This is where it's hard. Some of you want to treat mental health like physical health. And here's what I mean. It comes January and you've already picked up the freshman 15 and you said, okay, I'm going to work out. So you worked out two hours in the gym one day and you think all of a sudden all the things will go away and you'll have a 12 pack ab and you'll lose 15 pounds because you were on the treadmill for 15 minutes and it'll be instant. But it doesn't work that way, does it? It takes a lot of effort every single day. It's the same with your mental health. There's work to be done here. And it's hard. It's hard. So, so when, when, when depression, when I feel depression, darkness begin to surround me, in that moment, I gotta go, no, I'm gonna fight this. 
Why am I feeling this way? What thought pattern has led me to hold on to this lie that is placing me that I cannot see the goodness of God in this? What have I believed? Reminds me of David in the Psalms. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why, my soul? Why, my soul, you downcast? What is David feeling in the moment? He's feeling downcast. So he's not going, hey, I'm so defeated. I'm just going to tell you how bad life is. That's not going to heal you. See, he starts with his own heart. He starts with his own mind. Why? Why, why am I downcast? Why? 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 Why am I downcast? He's not allowing those feelings to come. He's challenging them. Why? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. Who's, who's David talking to? Who's David talking to? Himself. Can we just all admit we hear voices and we talk to ourselves? <laughs> I hear voices. I hear voices all the time. Let's just bring it out in the open. I hear it. Now, I don't see dead people, right? I, 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 see vo I hear voices. And, and so he's talking to himself. I mean, this, this is who you talk to more than anybody else is yourself. So he's challenging his thinking. For yet I will praise him, my Savior, my God. Now I'm deeply discouraged. So he's not denying it. He's not going, hey, everything's great. I'm deeply discouraged, but yet, but yet, hold on, I'll remember you. Lord, I'm challenging these thoughts. I don't have to live in them. Why do I feel this way? I've attached, my, I've attached myself to this story, and I'm re-examining the story. I will not allow my thoughts to control me. I'll speak truth to my thoughts. You're allowing your feelings to speak to you instead of you speaking to your feelings. You need to speak back to your feelings. Soul, why are you downcast? Soul, why are you anxious? Soul, why do you feel like a failure? So why do you feel miserable? Why, why do you feel as if no one cares? Why? I'm going to speak to it. I don't have to live in this. That's why Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? My mind, my mind, my mind, my mind, my mind, my mind, my mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. No, notice the connection. The only way I can live in the pleasing, perfect, good will of God that I can see it and respond to it is I have to renew my mind. If I'm not renewing my mind, then I'm going to live in darkness, I'm going to live in despair, and I'll never live in the fullness of what God has for me. Romans 8, set your mind. It's a mindset. Set your mind. That verse changed my life. To be carnally minded, I learned it, New King James Version. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. I'm going to set my mind on the things of God. And then once you identify those lies, here's my biggest challenge for you. Do some homework. Have chapel homework. Here's my homework. When you begin to feel the way that you feel and you hate the way you feel, write down, what am I thinking in this moment that makes me feel this way? Start examining, filleting your heart open before the Holy Spirit 
and say, God, I'm gonna process these feelings with you. I'm not denying them, I'm gonna process them and I'm gonna begin to identify what lie have I attached myself on. Again, ignorance in us begins to deceive us. Then what do we do next? Replace the lies with the truth. See, I can't control the thoughts that pop in my head, but I can control the thoughts that I grab a hold on. There's things in my head that pop in that I go, where did that come from? Sick, twisted thoughts. And I've been walking for the Lord with a long time. There's times just thoughts come in my head. But I have to begin to treat my thoughts like I do my emails. I get probably about a thousand emails a day. But I'm just telling you, I don't read 98% of the emails that I receive. Because if I did, here's what I would hear. Do you realize that I have an Ethiopian uncle who has a billion dollars that if I would just send him a hundred dollars to file the paperwork, he'll send me the million dollars? I'm telling you, I'm rich already. See, I'll start reading junk that has no truth that is not reality. So I have a spam folder in my email. As soon as it comes in, it automatically puts it in categories and I know what is important, what is essential based on where that's coming from. You need to create a spam kind of a defense mechanism. We need cybersecurity for the mind, right? That's what we need. I need cybersecurity because it's a, it's a virus that wants to catch in there. So I have to say, hold on, that's not true. That's not true. Philippians 4.8, here's our spam guard. Here's what we hold on to, cybersecurity of the mind. Fix your thoughts. Don't pass over this. The spirit of the living God has given you the authority that you can take captive the thoughts of your mind. You see, many of you, you believe the lie. Well, I'll never get better. I'll never be free. I'll never be this. And you bought that lie. And you can't change if you believe that. But God says, I've given you the authority through the power of the resurrection. I've placed my spirit within you. You have the authority to grab a hold of every thought in that moment. Fix your thoughts. Is this easy? No. This is the hard work of being mentally healthy and prospering in the goodness of God. This is hard work. So every thought, fixing it, taking the cap, holding on to it, fixing those thoughts. What am I fixing the thoughts on? What is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And you have to begin to examine those lies. Now, now let me just kind of say this. Sometimes you believe the lie for so long, you need to help have another godly, spirit-filled person sit down and help you with this. This is why it says in Hebrew, encourage each other daily so that you don't have a deceitful, hard heart. Some of you need to sit down with a mental professional. That's okay. Can I just share something that liberated me? One statement. It's okay that you're not okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. That statement changed me. Because I thought I had a persona on that I was okay. But sometimes I'm not okay. 
But that's okay, but it's not okay for me to stay that way because God has a better vision for me. He has a purpose for me. He's redeemed me to live in freedom. So sometimes that means you're gonna need to sit down with somebody because sometimes the lies have so deceived that you can't see through to the truth. Well, some of you means you need to call a mental health professional, a Christian. Don't, don't go to somebody who's not a believer. You need to fight truth with truth. So what do we begin to do? What, what are... When I went to a counselor, there was three questions that he made me begin to ask of every thought. And this was so helpful for me as a grid. So I do this all the time. First question is this, is it true? So when a thought pops in your head, first question you ask, is this true? Is this true? Is this true? If the thought isn't true, if the thought does not align to the word of God, you have the authority in Christ Jesus to drop that thought. That's your freedom in Christ. This is why it has to align to the word. This is why Psalm 119, right? I've hid your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. See, see, a lot of you know the truth. I mean, if I was to ask you and come up here, I mean, you've been in Bible drills since you were two. That if I was to ask you to turn to a specific verse, you could. But the truth hasn't penetrated deep in your, you, the reason you did that is those should have been like swords. I mean, you got to grab them in that moment. Is this true? If it's not, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to allow it to become, the, the really begin to, to fester in my life. I'm not going to allow it to grow roots and become a stronghold. So we have to fight it. And it's just, it's examining. Okay. I looked on social media. And so-and-so was with so-and-so, and they were with so-and-so, and I was home in my dorm alone. Why are they out with somebody, and I'm home alone? And in that moment, why? What does the devil do? He starts feeling the narrative, right? Well, because they don't really like you. Because they're not really friends. They hate you. Pretty much everybody hates you. I mean, Everybody. That's why you didn't really have a lot of friends in high school. Now you don't have a lot of friends in college. It, it, you're just unlovable. And so you believe that. I'm unlovable. I'm unlovable. I'm unlovable. Hold on. Is that true? Is that true? No. That's not true. So that point, in that moment, I go, I don't have to hold on to that thought. No, I'm not going to grab a hold of it and allow it to take root in my life. That's not true. Unchecked lies will inevitably damage you. So is it true? Second question, is it helpful? Is it helpful? Is this thought helpful? Does it bring honor and is it right? Does it bring honor? Is it right? Is this really helpful? Does this encourage me or cause depression? Is it helpful? You know what I've realized? I realized that I say things to myself. That if I was to say to you, it would not go good. Right? I'm not a violent man. But if you told me the things that you tell yourself and referred it to me, I would probably punch you in the face. God forgive me. But like, we share some we speak to ourselves with such vile hatred. 
You're stupid. You're an idiot. You'll never amount to nothing. You'll never be loved, and those who love you will choose somebody else other than you. You are not chosen. You are not wanted. You are nothing. If you came up and you told me that, again, I would be tempted. Because I'd be angry, right? And if I told you that, do you think that would help our relationship or hurt our relationship? That's not, that's not a trick question. It, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a trick question. Would it help our relationship or hurt our relationship? Then why do you think you can keep talking to yourself that way and have no, it doesn't have an effect. See, if it would hurt your relationship with somebody else, it's going to hurt your relationship inwardly. Just show yourself some honor. Realize who you are in Christ. And the third question I always ask, or that third question, is it worthy of praise? Does this thought create in me a greater praise for God or does it push me away from God? Does this, does this thought, does it bring incredible rejoicing so that I go to the cross and I say, thank you, Jesus? Does it produce within me a desire to love God and love others? Does it produce within me a desire to passionately pursue Christ? Does it? My wife, I'm telling y'all, my wife, I, I, I pray that as you get married, you will continue to foster a mutual relationship of, of discipleship in your, in your marriage. My wife is my best friend, and I tell you, she... She teaches me so much, so much. I was in a funk and I was struggling a while back ago and I'm a red entrepreneur, pioneer. So I'm the type of guy that I'm gonna, if you say it can't be done, I'm gonna do it just in spite of it. And the problem is I analyze everything, always analyzing. And I was analyzing something and I, I was just, it was causing great depression. I mean, it really was. It was causing anxiety. It was messing me up. And, and she said, what's wrong? And I told her the story. And, and here's what she said. She challenged me. It was so wise. It was, a, it was a power of the Holy Spirit came upon her in that moment. She says, why is it that when you're thinking, you always think worst case scenarios? Why not, out of all your thinking patterns, do you ever think best case scenario? That challenged me. Why is it 100% of the time when I'm analyzing, do I always end up in the worst possible place I could possibly be in? Why? If, if scripture is true, if the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, he's leading me to good places. If that's the case, then why doesn't my mind Go to God, you're up to something good. I can't wait to see, God, what you're about to do in this situation. Because, God, if you showed up, this could happen, and this could happen, and this could happen. God, if you did this, this could happen. God, I'm going to start praising you in advance because, God, I'm going to praise you before the victory ever happens because I know I'm already victorious in Christ Jesus. And if you called me to do it, you're the author and perfecter. You're going to complete the very thing that you've called me to do. So I don't have to live in shame or guilt or fear because I know who I am in Christ Jesus, and I know what you promised me. So I'm believing the best because I know that, God, you're already working for my good in this situation 
because God, I'm doing it not for my glory, but for your glory. And God, I'm turning away from every sin that so easily entangles me. And I'm fixing my eyes upon Jesus Christ, who's the author and perfecter of my faith. And so God, this is the course you've laid me out. This is the lane I'm to run. And you're going to provide everything I need in order to accomplish everything you have for my life. So why should I not rejoice in this moment? For this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will, I will, I will, I will choose to rejoice. I will choose it. Is it worthy of praise? Wisdom times masquerades as fear. Second Corinthians 10, 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You've been empowered by God to drop every destructive, negative, damaging thought patterns of your life. There's freedom in this. So how? Again, verse 21, there's something powerful that hit me in this and then we're gonna wrap it up. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth, and here's what was beautiful to me. Holy Spirit, let them see it. Let them see it. Let them see it. Let them see it. They were taught with him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Now, that's interesting, right? In Jesus. A truth in Jesus. A truth in Jesus. Paul could have wrote a truth taught by Jesus. That would have been one thing, right? Or he could have said a truth taught about Jesus, but he said, there's actually a truth where, don't, don't, don't miss this, this is powerful. A truth where? In Jesus. So Jesus now becomes my truth. Jesus now becomes the truth. So here's what happens. Here's what I do. I open up my life story and I begin to write. Why am I a failure? Well, I can tell you why. Let me just start listing it, listing it, listing it, listing it, listing it. But what if? What if I'm not supposed to hold the pen? What if I give the one who created me, who died for me and rose again for me, the pen? And I tell him, Jesus, why don't you write my story? Why don't you write who I am? Why don't, why don't you write the truth of who I am in Christ? Why don't, why don't you take the pen? You take the pen. You take the pen. You take the pen. You write my story. I'm going to rely upon you to author my story because if there's truth in you, that means the truth I want to live out is the truth of who I am in Christ Jesus. And so I'm going to start, God. I'm, I'm rewriting my new truth. I'm believing. I'm allowing you to take the pen of my life. And here's what you write over my life. I am deeply loved by God for Christ died for me even while but yet I was still a sinner. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelously made for the works of God. I am granted wisdom by God when I ask, for he gives us generously without finding fault. I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the very fact it's not of my doing, but it's the doing of God. I am alive with Christ, loved and shown mercy by God, even in the middle of temptation and imperfection and brokenness. I am known and understood by God, for he perceived my thoughts all from afar 
heart. I'm protected by God, by God's unfailing love and by his mighty power. I am precious and I am honored in God's sight, loved dearly by him. I am God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to fulfill every good work he had prepared for me. I am completely, 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 completely forgiven. So devil, you can bring up my failures, but I got a story. I've been forgiven in and through Christ Jesus. I am forgiven. That's what he declares over me. I'm forgiven, purified from all unrighteous when I confess my sin, for he is faithful and he is just. I am set free in Christ. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. Released from bondage, released from granted new life. I am a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new is and has come. This is my story. This is my story. This is my story. You write it. You write it. Because I want to know who I am in you, not who I am in me. So I give you the pen. You tell me what is truth. And you write the story over my life. Just in this moment. Will you just stand as quiet as you can? just say this is my story 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 not who I am but who I am in Christ